G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. So welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Connection podcast. Um, first off, I would like to say everyone f- for sticking around for the month delay after me having some t- tech issues with the computer and being locked out of it for, for a month and then finally getting Ilias's episode out. Uh, today I've got Richard Barker with me. He's a um, former hunting guide and just all around good bloke and good hunter. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thank you for being here. So we'll get straight into it. Where are you from? As in, like, originally? uh, Both. So uh, I'm from Adelaide, but my parents migrated out here from India uh, back in the 60s. Yep. And so I've spent my whole life in Adelaide and grew up schooled here. um, Yep. So, yes. Awesome. So, have you? Did you go back to India? I have never. The closest I've come is going to the airport in Mumbai on the way, way to um, London. Oh so, yeah. So no. No. Awesome. So no, awesome. Yeah. Uh, how old are you? I'm sixty-two. Sixty-two. Yes. Well, you don't look it. Oh, thank this, you. This must be all the hunting and <laughs> hunting yeah, and outdoor thanks. stuff you do. Yeah, it's a moisturising and drugs. <laughs> uh, what do you do for work? Uh, I'm a physio. Physio? So that's awesome. all I've ever been, yep. apart from a hunting guide. <laughs> awesome. So hunting guide, how'd you get into that? Oh, so a long time ago, back in the 90s, uh, a friend that I used to hunt with called Nigel, um, and he's actually from Veteran uh, veteran Hunts. Yep, yep. So he and I were very friendly. We used to hunt a lot together. And um, we used to go duck hunting at... Water Valley. Yep. Um, this so this is in the early nineties and late eighties, and the owner of Water Valley, who's now died, he decided he would fence his property, and that's when he started getting into deer hunting. Yep. And so Nigel and I thought it would be a really good idea for us to provide hunts, f- and with all due respect, we were. We thought we'd provide slightly more upmarket kind of hunts to people uh, in Australia and around the world. And it took off really well. In fact, so much so that I had to put a a lid on how much I was doing because I had a very young family at that time and I couldn't afford time away from little ones and, you know, and wife and work. So uh, that's how we started. Awesome. So you were some of the first guys, were the first guides on Water Valley? Uh, or I actually was the very first one to take out any clients on Water Valley. Awesome. Um, and that was before he started his commercial venture. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, yes, yeah, so, but we were, we were at that time probably the, you know, one of, one of the first few commercial operations in that area. Yeah, so anyone that's listening that doesn't know what we're talking about with Water Valley, it's a game hunting ranch in the southeast of South Australia, in between, say, Kingston and Robe. 
isn't uh, it? Uh, no. It's probably no. It's it's in between Salt Creek and Kingston. Salt Creek and Kingston. Yeah. That's yeah. that's yes. what I meant anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The the bloke put a do- half a dozen deer species on there. Yeah, um, there was black buck out there at one he did point. Have black buck. He originally fenced sixty four thousand acres. Yep. Of his of his land, and he stocked it with all the game species. So they were already fallow there. Yep. And then he put all the other species on there, including black buck. And of course, the the hoggies didn't take. Yeah. And the um, the black buck just seemed to die with the cold. Yeah. In fact, I reckon one of my clients probably took the only trophy black buck that was around before they all died. Yeah. Wow. And that was only because it had a cancerous growth in its eye, <laughs> and the owner wanted to get rid of it. So they're so. an Indian species, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. So they'd be Such used to the warmer Indian Pakistan. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, but I mean, they live in Texas. It gets quite cold in Texas. Yeah. Sometimes. I think it's just the cover. That's and true. Shrubbery, and I don't know that at that time. I don't know that he was willing to put that much effort into yeah. conserving them, and he was more, you know, into the reds and everything else. Yeah. So did he? Was a Reds and fallow he started off with originally and then built up, or did no, he just get... He, he had everything. He everything. Had reds, fallow, rooster, samba. The, the unfortunate thing is for a long time, he had the samba and rooster in together in yeah. a similar area, and um, they did interbreed, uh, and then he kind of realised that, and he sort of tried his best to separate them. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. a few yeah. few rhubarb yeah, yeah, yeah. that shot down Correct. that way. Yeah. That have I mean, and they look quite okay. It's just people want... Samba or yeah, like pure pure bread. Yeah, sure. You know. He's a, he actually at one point he even had water buffalo. Yeah, like, oh, that, that was my next yeah. question. I heard rumors that there yeah. was water buffalo oh, yeah. down there yeah. for a yeah. for a little bit. They were placid as anything. Yeah, they were just like cattle roaming around and. Yeah, I heard yes. a few got out, and um, I was driving down there one day, and I was with my mum and stepdad and sister, and we're driving along, and I'm telling them the story and. <laughs> we drive past a paddock full of black Angus and they're like, oh, look, Zach, there's a water buffalo. And to this day, they pay the shit out oh, of me yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, family. <laughs> so how did you get into hunting and fishing? So my father was, or he, he was in the army in India. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> in the army, that's what people did. They, yeah. they hunted and fished and his big passion was duck hunting, yep. actually. And then, um, you know, uh, he did a lot of... He, he actually shot several tigers and um, That's awesome. leopards. And then he actually went to Ethiopia for three years. Yep. So was that um, hunting tigers on elephant, like no. you see in that? No, he never did that. So he, because they knew he was an avid hunter, yep. in the army, he was kind of called upon regularly yep. to, to dispatch an old animal that started stealing cattle or goats or something because the next stage is humans. humans. Yep. So at that time, they didn't have sophisticated things like trapping them and relocating them. Yep. They just killed them. Yep. So he, he was asked to do quite a lot of that and uh, and I can remember pictures and all the skins on. on yeah. Our, on our Do you still have the photos of any of that I've stuff? Got photos. Yeah. Yes, I have an amazing photograph of my father in Ethiopia. So he was hunting lions from a what they call a boma, B-O-M-A. It's like a ground blind. Yeah. With thorn brush, and um, 
he had shot a line, but they were waiting until his men came to pick them up in yeah. the dark so they didn't want to get out of the blind. And he heard sniffing going around the, the thorn brush and he looked to his left and there was a male lion's face looking in through the thorns at him at a distance of about 30 centimetres. Yeah, wow. And so he picked up his camera and just clicked it off. And yeah. I've got that I've got that slide at home, which yeah, I keep wow. meaning to take somewhere and That would be uh, awesome to see. Would, yeah. So does he have do you have many of the other hunting photos and I've got a lot of his yeah. his old hunting photographs with ducks and various a- African antelope yeah. and, and Indian deer that he that he had shot, yeah. And then when, when he came here, he started duck hunting in yeah. Blanchetown, yeah. actually. Yeah, and so that's how I picked up. I started spotlighting rabbits with him and then, you know, getting into duck hunting and then goats and deer. and That seems yeah. to be the, the start Correct. of start for everyone in Absolutely. Australia, spotlighting rabbits and foxes yeah. and hares and yeah. work your way up goats. And yeah. these days deer are more prevalent than anything else, really. Yeah. So yeah. there was a really – when – one that we he he befriended this guy in Blanchetown. Yeah, had this big property and he was duck hunting there. And my mum and I were camping with him, and I was too lazy to get up in the morning to get duck hunting. So mum and I stayed in the tent. And he came back in a flurry. He was all he was all flustered, and he'd shot a mountain duck. Yeah, but he'd never seen mountain duck. Before. He <laughs> thought it was a goose, right? Because it honks. Yeah, and he shot this thing, and he was waiting out to get it, and it disappeared under the. Well, he's dead. You know, yeah, he disappeared under the surface. He got really freaked out because he expected there to be crocodiles there because that's what <laughs> he was used to. So he's backed out, and then he realised it can't be any crocodiles. Anyway, when we were leaving, we went to the farmhouse, and the property owner was wetting himself, laughing at Dad. Said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, it must have been a crocodile." Anyway, oh, and a couple of months later, we went back to that place, and he, the property owner, ran out and grabbed us and took us into the kitchen. And on his kitchen table would have been a five-foot cod. Yeah, they, wow. That they netted in that swamp that they reckon probably just took that duck. Yeah, that's insane. It's amazing. Yeah. I've never seen a bigger cod. The cod get huge. There's yeah. a um old photo that I heard it's a paddle steamer hit it and it would be a six foot cod and I an Aboriginal have, man standing next seen, to it. I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um I think I first seen it on, in one of the sporting shooters magazines. Yeah. I reckon I've as seen a kid. It, yeah. So I, I I like I saw some of your Video of the, some of the cod you caught, yeah, in Happy Valley Reservoir. So that was Happy. Yeah, yeah. That was so awesome. That's um, we've had a bunch of reservoirs for the people listening. We've had a bunch of reservoirs opened up. We've never been really able to fish any of these water reservoirs, and the last four or five years they've been stocking them with fingerlings of cod, silver perch, um, golden perch, um, some trout, and. They've been slowly breeding up, well, not breeding up, but growing and growing, and it's been been a really good fishery. And then recently they've opened a metro reservoir up and they put a 1,000 cod in there, five to eight kilo cod, yeah, and it's it's been really good for good. people like myself that haven't really experienced cod fishing. Um, and mm. it's definitely... No, I, that was... That, I, I was blown away. That was awesome. Yeah, some people catching up to 20 a day. It's, I've never caught one. Awesome. You I'm need to you need to head down. People are catching them off the bank. Uh, were you doing them. that on soft plastics? Uh, just trawling hard, okay. hard body lures, okay. divers. Yeah. But people were catching them on bait, um, chicken, yeah, right. really? cheese, all sorts of stuff. Excellent. Yeah, 
That's, that's fantastic. That was, I loved seeing that, yeah. It's really promising. Um, it had a bit of a ro- rocky start because yeah. in South Australia, you're not allowed to take Murray cod out of the water. Um, and they didn't really have any of these rules up around the reservoir mm-hmm. when they opened up. So all these people were taking them out. Some people were taking them home to eat them. Um, yeah, there was photos of people gutting them and that on the bank. They're like, oh, yeah. I caught a feed. Um, so it was a pretty poor start. Yeah. But uh, the knowledge is getting out there now. They've got yeah. big signs up everywhere. So it's good. Hopefully, it's, it comes up a, a promising it's, reservoir. And have you? Sorry, I know this is your podcast. No, no, it's all good. Questions. <laughs> have you? Have you been at South Para at all? I went to South Para last week. In, no, this week, Monday. Uh, I didn't catch anything. Yeah. Um, I was chatting to one of the guys that was fishing out there that runs a bunch of the reservoir fishing pages. Um, he's seen a bunch of cod on his depth finder. Oh, okay. um, but they just weren't biting. Yeah. And then he got a nice, uh, I think it was a 45-centimetre caliper on the way back oh, through. Beautiful. But, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a big reservoir. Like, I was up in the back corner, and it takes you over half an hour yes. to get back from the back corner to the, yes. the ramp. And that was me, boat all the rods in and just paddling flat out. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you have to go on calmer days. I was, the other week when I was at Happy Valley, it was 60K gusts, and it was white caps on the water that- and... So yeah. I get confused between South Para and Warren. Yep. So South Para is just say so you're looking at the map. It's kind of on the left hand side of Williamstown, where yes. Warren's closer to Birdwood. Yes. So you um, go through Williamstown and then you get to yeah yeah Warren. Yes. So yeah, if Warren's you went north through, Para. is that the same thing? I'm not too sure. No. Okay. Poss- possibly. Yeah. I th- I know that the Warren feeds into um, the South Para, okay. so yeah. it's a it's a good and, and it's bigger, isn't it? South Parra is, South I believe. Is yeah, okay. yeah. It's got it's a bit tighter, but yeah, okay. it's got more little coves okay. and yeah, stuff, yeah. and yeah. Um, nice. better structure for fish. So, mm. it's a really good fishing opportunity for us. Um, we just need fishing licenses now. Yes, agreed. <laughs> uh, so, what type of gear do you run? Well, I'm a rifle hunter and yep. a shotgunner. Yep. So I have several rifles. I've got a 22, of course, because yep. everyone needs a 22. I had a 223 Ackley. Yep. Ackley improved. Heard good stories about that rifle. It's just a wonderful rifle. I've shot probably more deer with my 223 than anything over the last six to ten years. Some of the eastern states would be a bit. That'd be horrifying. <laughs> Even the ADA are horrifying. Yeah. But, you know, I'm shooting. My, my, my 223 will shoot 88 grain bullets. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's 243 material, really. And, I mean, look, I've seen what it does. I don't tell everybody else, but uh, it. It punches through a full fallow deer at yeah. three hundred yards. I get f- like mushroomed on the opposite side. It doesn't. It's it's where you shoot them. Yes, at the end exactly of the day, right? Um, and then I got a two fifty seven um, Weatherby. Yep, and that was just a bromance thing because I'd always loved lusted after a two fifty seven Weatherby from reading reports of years gone by. Yeah. People who uh, who, who uh, had used them and and done the, the biggest problem with the two fifty seven twenty five calibers until now is their bullet selection has been crap. Yeah, but now they're actually bringing out one hundred and thirty grain bullets for the two fifty seven, which is a real game changer. For awesome. Them. So, so that'll be on the agenda and a bit of a project for me in the next couple of years. So you do all your own reloading. Uh, my friend Steve does my reloading for me because I haven't had <laughs> I haven't had room in my 
houses over the last couple of weeks to set up my reloading yeah. gear. So he reloads it. He's got all my dies and all my stuff, and he reloads them for me. So he's That's a pretty very, good very deal. Good. Oh, he's, he's a great guy. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty good to him too. But <laughs> no, he's a great guy, and he does a, he's, he is anal with his reloading. He's I call him a guru because yeah. he's just knowledgeable and, and he's very, very helpful and, you know, shares his knowledge freely. So uh, then I've got a 280. Again, it's a 280 Ackley yep. improved, which I'm currently shooting 162 grain AMAX bullets. But when I run out of them, I'll probably shoot the ELDs. Yeah, lots of people but, yeah. move into the yeah. ELDs. They're oh, liking them. Look, even the old AMAXs, they're just since the The 7 mil has long been recognised as being able to kill way out of its league. You yeah. Know, people have been, in the old days, they didn't understand fully. Now we know that its BCs and sectional densities are so high, you know, and you and you can shoot heavy for calibre bullets with the 7 mils. So yeah. I've just fallen in love with 7 mils in general. Yeah, so yeah. I, um, one of my first deer was taken with a 7 mil 08. Oh, yeah. And it, was a, it was my top top rifle to get. Yeah. For a long time, and then I got a 270 to start off with, oh, yeah. Yeah. and then to practice for eventually going to New Zealand, I went and sure. got a 300 win mag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just that in between caliber of like, should I? And then yeah, yeah. ended up going the 300. Uh, a lot of the guys w- we hunt with um, all run 708s. Yeah. Many of them have got 708 Ackleys as well. <laughs> uh, only, oh, there's less case stretch, you know, you yeah. more longevity and tiny a bit of extra powder but <clears throat> great caliber yeah yeah it great was caliber. it was good it was just a little fallow dough i took with it but it was uh sure. I'd, I'd used to have a 300 win mag that yeah i shot i shot my bigger samba with it and i shot red deer with it but i just wasn't using it as much, so i sold it so. yeah yeah um i had to put the 270 down to start using the 300 to <laughs> get some practice with it get used to the recoil and did you reload for it no no uh, i'd I'm a family man. I don't really have the no. time, and no. yeah. <laughs> I have to choose where I put yeah. my time. So I just what, what is the three hundred? It's a it's ticker. A, it's a, oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Know. It's it's really nice. Um, I took my first first deer with it last year. Mm. The only deer I've taken with it so far. Yeah, and, and shoots well. Yeah, yeah. It does it does? Um, I don't really long range shoot. I bought it to work on my long range shooting, but haven't. Yeah. Yep. You know the the doe I took at forty meters with it. <laughs> And then um, I took a fox at a hundred and fifty <laughs> meters with it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, it, the fox wouldn't have liked that much. No, no, no. Had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in your hunting pack when you go out for the day? Do you just have a little day pack, or do you not take a pack? I do have a day pack, but I take a big pack. Yeah. Only, well, for several reasons. Where we hunt. Um, the property owner doesn't like us driving into his paddocks. So yep. We can drive along outside tracks and then we walk in. So very often, and especially if I'm on my own, I've got to pack everything out. Yep. So depending on what I want to bring back, very often I'll actually bone the deer out in the bush. Yep. Okay. I've so done that I'll, many times. Yeah. I'll quarter it up. I'll take the back straps yep. off first. I'll quarter it up and I'll hang the you know, the limbs in the tree and skin it off and yeah. bone it off the bone then, just so I'm carrying less, you know. I mean? Yeah, yeah. On occasion, there's times I've shot two deer, for example, so I've come back the next day just to recover yeah. the meat. For, so do you carry so, a meat hook with you while you're out? So my very good friend, Dwayne, yep. uh, Aussie Outbush, he manufactures these magnificent tools. They're called a gambrel. It's a, he calls it a hoof 
yep. know, gamble. And so I keep that in my pack. And with that, it's like a spreader bar that, yep. that links onto the animal's legs. And so if you've got two of them, two people, I yep. say, you can hoist it up into a limb of a tree. Yeah, so um, i got a um, plastic gamble. Oh, yeah. So I used to work in an abattoirs for my yeah. first job. And the plastic gambles would break a fair bit, so okay. it's just a plastic hook that yep. I carry. I wrap yep. some rope around it. Yep. It's enough rope it's to enough. get me around any tree, and then yeah, yep. it's quite hard to hang a deer by yourself. But if you got someone with you, you can pull them up yes. in the tree quite a bit. Yes, it's pretty hard. Yes, I've I've because I'm short. <laughs> uh, everyone asks me to lift the deer up while they're. Yeah, because they can reach and you know tie it off on the limbs and stuff, and they think it's hilarious when I'm holding the deer upside down and it's <laughs> sliding down my face with its. You can get it high enough for them. I, I can get it high enough <laughs> so that its head's off the ground, but they deliberately wait until the thing's sliding down so its dick is like on my <laughs> cheek. And it's hilarious. With anyone that's hung a deer or a goat in a tree, we've all we've all been, <laughs> we've been there. there and done that, yeah. That's when I drop it. Yeah, and just start sulking. So, <laughs> so do you prefer um, gutting and butchering and skinning while it's hanging in a tree? If you have that option, if, if I can, it's yeah. way easier. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do it where I can, but it's way easier if you can get it up off yeah. the ground and don't have to squat. Mm. Kneel and get dirt everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. do you normally uh, take the skin off first, gut, and break it down that way, or um, if I if it's not too hot, I, I will do that. If it's really hot, I like to get the guts. Yeah, and just yeah. Cool it down yeah. a little bit, and then I'll pull it away, maybe into the shade. Yeah. I even in, there's another thing I carry in my pack. I've got a couple of three by two point five uh, space blankets. Yeah. They're quite. They're almost as thick as you know the sun shields you put on your windscreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'll put them on the ground just to keep it as clean as possible. And yeah. then I put the, the deer on there and I'll uh, skin it out there. Yeah. And butcher it out there. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and then I, and there is, you just wash them off. Yeah. You know, except if you forget and they stink like Yeah, you know, yeah. The the same with game yeah. bags. I've, Absolutely. I've got pillowcases I just use because yeah. they're three, $3 for a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry them around and, yeah, sure. if you forget to um, wash them after the trip sure. and they... Yeah, <laughs> so that's it. And then I've got the usual, like on my one pouch, I've got knives and a sharpener. On the other pouch, I've got bits of cordage. Yeah, you know to hang it. And then I've got a first aid kit. Like I made my own first aid. Yeah, bandages, essential and ointments. Yeah, and, you know, stingos. It's, it's surprising yeah. the amount of people that don't take a first aid yes. kit into the bush. Um, yeah. The Senate Mate podcast guys, I think one of them had an issue with not taking a first aid kit out with them. Yeah, right. Luckily, Camp Mum was. <laughs> There with the, uh, <laughs> uh, he's he's pretty good camp man. Yeah, he's, he's a good bloke. Yeah. <laughs> nah, they're all they're all good blokes. So, uh, if anyone hasn't listened to that podcast, it's Send a Mate Podcast. Go check them out. They're a bunch of good blokes. That's how I met Richard through there. He was Correct. on there, and we've had a couple of dinners together. Yeah. All of us together and a few drinks, conversations. Yeah, yeah. Political things, which we probably should yeah, have about. yeah. No, we'll, we'll we'll stay away from the political and COVID. COVID shit. Um, with your knives, are you running all fixed blades? Do you have replaceable blades? No. No? No. I, look, <laughs> I just don't. I, I have a couple of cold steel uh, knives. Yeah. You've seen the cold steel brand. Yep. I've got a Master Hunter, which is a great butchering knife. And then I've got a couple of, God, I've forgotten the name of them. Um, I'll think of them shortly. They're little, tiny little like a two-inch blade, fixed blade. Yeah. 
And I was just finding I could do everything I needed with one of those little blades and yeah. it saved a bit of weight carrying it around in the bush, you know. So carrying all my other knives. Then Dwayne found that in um, Coles, for $2 you can buy a paring knife. Yeah. That's about two and a half inches. And they are, well, I found them fantastic. Brilliant. You can sharpen them like crazy. If you break it, you don't care because you throw it away and then you buy another 15 when you go to Coles next time. And I found them fantastic. But some of the changeable, if you're doing a lot of skinning, you know, like someone like Dwayne who's a taxidermist, yeah. he's got some pretty cool interchangeable blade things and yeah you know. I, I carry an interchangeable replaceable blade one a gerber and that's it's brilliant yeah, it's got a little little blade yeah, on it yeah just basically a surgeon blade yes. and you can do the whole deer break down a whole fallow yes. from sure from yeah. everything with it yeah. you can get in between the joints um but i'm a sucker i carry a big bag i got a i think it's a 75 liter plus 10 tatonka right. hiking pack or okay. hiking hunting pack and i I carry three, four different knives. I carry yes. a steel. Well, you could carry your food, some, you know, a snack. You can carry your water. You can. Yeah, I I carry a little hiking chair with me on some of the awesome. stuff and no, set good. that up. I, you know, um, when we went out hunting with Luke and Ilias, when Ilias took his first goat, I took my camp stove. I took oil. Yeah, I took absolutely. seasoning, and we yeah. cut up some goat sure. and cooked it up. And, Beautiful. But yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for carrying way too much when uh, we're out. I know, but you know, at the end, you can even boil up water for coffee. You know, we because I do that. Know. Winter days, I have coffee yeah. and two minute noodles. I mean, the way soup. we hunt, we're not walking all the time. You know, yeah, I mean, a very productive way is to sit and yeah, cook exactly. And, watch and you can you can have your stuff. And then I personally don't like bipods. Yep. So only because I just they tend to make my rifle feel unbalanced and top heavy, and I just I do use them, <laughs> but I prefer not to. So I use my pack as pack, a rest, yep. and I can shoot at uh, well. When we were practicing about a year or eighteen months ago at another place up in the near, near Borough, I mean, I was shooting eight hundred yards with my two eighty just off my pack. Yeah, wow. Well. I mean, I'm not going to shoot at an animal yeah. at eight hundred, but if I can practice out to that far, then I'm comfortable at four, four fifty, five hundred. Yeah, 500, you know, so. yeah the, the Kiwis shoot animals at that that distance they all do. the time. I got a got a good mate over there and it's it's not unusual for him to <laughs> shoot deer at sure. 800 yards yeah. you know he's got a um his his wife is seven seven months months pregnant and she just took a fallow at 300 yards oh, they went fantastic. for went for a hike at, w- with her being seven months pregnant and just took that's a deer great. so mm. um yeah that's, that's brilliant that's pretty awesome um anything else first aid kit you said the first yeah. aid kit and basic uh, bandages I, and stuff you know, snacks yeah like snacks what's your muesli bar or two muesli bar yeah muesli bar I, I used to like taking chocolate I love chocolate yeah but it makes me thirsty <laughs> and then, you know I just don't want to but the muesli bars or nuts yeah like, uh, nuts and trail mix and, and trail yeah. mix kind nuts of and stuff. bolts type yes. yeah yes um and Hainsy uh, our friend Josh Haynes yeah he gave me a Great knife that you know it's got one of those curved blades, yep. um, with a blunt tip at the end, so yep. you know, it pulls. So, I'm looking forward to using that this year, yeah. So, I've got one so with a it's got like a little ball on the tip, correct. and yeah, that's right. it's it's used so that when you're cutting down the skin and cutting down the stomach, you yes. don't stab yourself in the leg. Um, yes. when I was working on the slaughter floor, if people weren't using the correct knives, it wasn't unusual for someone to get carried out. With a knife sticking out oh, of their oh, leg, <laughs> oh, 
So yeah, it's been a few times. I've I've actually got two of them. I'll, I'll show you after. They're yeah, they're a great blade. But and even I've, for gutting, it's nice to, that that little yeah holds yeah the skin up off the it keeps stomach, the skin yeah. skin off the stomach. Yes. You're not opening up stuff no. when, that I, you don't want to. I reckon that works better than a gut hook. Oh, hundred percent. I'm I'm not a massive fan of a yeah. gut hook. Yeah. Um, I'll just use a normal knife and I'll just run the two fingers between the skin and yeah. just slowly go yeah. up, or slowly yeah. go down, depending on yeah on where mm. how you do it. You've done the gutless method at all. Or? Not really. Um, I'm a big organ meat eater, so okay. I I eat liver, heart, kidneys, all of that, t- all that good stuff. I'll take cool fat every now and again. Keep you that know, in my freezer. Ranella finally talked me into it. Not, li- <laughs> not literally, but so last year, 2021. Yeah, I carried a a Ziploc bag. Yep. At a camp, kept at camp. Yeah, but a Ziploc bag of liver spices that he suggested yeah and heart spices and no one bought a liver or heart bag into <laughs> camp at all, all I, I don't get it i i absolutely love eating organ meat um quite often when i was living up at mount torrens up in my parents houses um we would um just take take the heart the liver tenderloins yeah. and straight away chuck all of that in the pan with chili garlic yes and all the other all the other good stuff and then yeah, salt, salt, pepper, and onion, and all of that, yep. and just um, cook it up I'm, straight away. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that at least once. Yeah. If I, oh, I'm heart. Eaten, have I, you have you not I eaten have, heart? I have eaten heart. Do you like it? I didn't like it when I tried it. That's 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Well, want to try it again. Was it more of a mind over matter thing no. than no? no? When I was a child, my mum used to cook liver. And, yeah, you know, liver's an unusual taste. It, it is. You get it's that that greeny, uh, yes. not greeny, grainy, irony taste. You do. to it. Um, where I find chili and garlic break that up a bit with some onions, and, and your taste changes. You know, it does. It does. Older. But I couldn't tolerate that as a child. Yeah, even she used to cook it with onions and bacon, and it would smell amazing. Yeah, but I just couldn't tolerate the flavour. And then this client of ours, when we were guiding insisted on feeding us the heart of his deer. He kept it in the fridge for a couple of days. Yes. And then he sliced it up. And, he, and I, I just didn't like it. To me, it tasted a bit like liver and I didn't yeah. really like it. But I, I believe you have to core the heart. Yeah, you and do. I, and I didn't, it, he, he didn't do that. Yeah. And I, I'm determined to do that this year. It, it's good. It's good. I'll I'll put it there with backstrap and tenderloins. Yeah, like it's it's one of the better cuts. Yeah. I've never been uh, an awful yeah, even kidneys. I'll eat kidneys in a pie. Yeah, if you got like three liters of tomato sauce, I'll eat it. Yeah, I'll I'll go heart heart any day. Um, kidneys, they're again unusual taste. Yeah, people either love them or hate them. Liver's the same. I made some liver pate out of the Stephen Stephen Renola cookbook. The only thing is, I put a bit too much scotch in <laughs> while I was making it, and it was just tasted as scotch rather than tasting the liver. See, now I could never eat pate. When I was a child, but now I can eat pate, and I'm quite yeah. Like, so I'm sure I'm your, your taste buds do change along the way. I'm definitely going to do it. Mm. Uh, so we've gone through pack um, dream five hunts. What's that still I've on had, the list? That that I've oh, not on the list. list. Yeah, oh, that's very easy. I still have not got a tar. Yep. I still not have not got a hog deer. Yep. I still haven't got a seeker. There. Yes. Again, we've played played this one before, but this is from my seeker hunt in New Zealand. That's 
fantastic. Yeah, man. it's it's yeah, it's one of the best sounds. Like that sound over like even a red or a fallow oh, yeah. croaking and roaring. That sound yeah. is just I love it. it brings chills. Yeah. But yeah, uh, black bear. Yep. So that's four. And a big, big. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yep. What I call a motherfucker of a fellow. Yeah. Not just a big fellow. It's got to be like you look at him and say, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So they're the five things that I'd really like to. Yeah, well, tar, tar, beautiful animal. Hopefully Mm. for my 30th, I'll get over there and chase them. Um, When is that going to be? Next year, hopefully. Well, I was hoping to get there next year. So (laughs) you never know. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully all this COVID shit dies down oh, and right. makes it a bit easier. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it will. But. Yeah. Um, Black Bear, one of my dream dream hunts as well. Just um, I've had some Black Bear jerky. Amazing eating. I, I, haven't, I haven't tasted Black Bear um, at all. Yeah, that's but good. I really want to try it fresh. Yeah. Called, um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Clay Newcomb. Bear Hunting Magazine podcast, oh, yeah. and he's, he's got a new one now. But, um, yeah, just the way he describes black bear and eating black bears yeah. really bring out a new passion. I know. For it just looks... <clears throat> um, no, I look... Uh, I mean, you've seen the video of Renella cooking it in... Yeah, the, fat. the fat you know, I mean, with the blue blueberries. <laughs> I think I think everyone that hunts yeah. is <laughs> has seen that one. Um, what about top beginner tip? So if someone someone getting in, what would be your biggest tip for them? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, <clears throat> really, what helped me the most, I think, many many years ago, was involving myself and surrounding myself with people who have done that. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm very happy to pass on information to to people who I meet. Yeah. And to help it. I, you know, last year, 2021, I didn't shoot a deer at all. Yeah, so, I've seen lots of photos of people that you helped, yeah, helped get so, onto deer. And, sure, and I'm happy. I mean, I can't help everyone, yeah. you know, and I, and I feel bad. I, I, I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah, and so, but I'm I'm really happy. So I think just being able to be out there and surround yourself with people who've been there and done that. Yeah. As long as they're, you know... Reliable people, yeah. You, you, you know, uh, I think joining an association can be a good idea. That can be a bit daunting, yeah. To, you know, I mean, I I joined the ADA many years ago in the eighties, and I didn't enjoy the experience back then. It was yeah. still very secretive, and there were like cliques even inside the club. Yeah, I've heard that even now today, and that's been off-putting. Like. I've never been a member of an archery club or a hunting yeah. club or anything like that, but um, I'm hearing good things through that it's it's starting to change and I some of the clicks are. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, as you know, I joined the southeast branch yeah. of the ADA, and I was fortunate because you know Hainsey's a member and yeah. and so um, through him I met quite a few other people, you know, but. As a newcomer, it could be a little bit intimidating, but a lot of people out there are very happy to talk and help and advise and yeah, you know. Yeah, it's so. I, I I believe it's very difficult for 
new hunters getting into it because we don't really have a hunting culture yeah, per se com- correct. compared to America or even yeah, New Zealand. Absolutely. So finding the information and getting access. And, and you know, this forum, what yeah. you're doing, is a great thing for people to listen to. Yeah. We didn't have this a lot yeah, 30 yeah. years ago, you know, even 20 years ago. People weren't doing this as much. Yeah, yeah. And this is a great forum for people to listen to and get advice. I mean, the, there's a plethora of information now that just wasn't exactly. available. Like um, Facebook can be either the worst worst thing for hunting or the yes. best thing for hunting at yeah, the exact sure. same time. Like, sure. you know. Yeah. I mean... You know, I, 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 I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. I accidentally something. You know how yeah. if you put something on Insta, it automatically yeah. shares unless yeah. you consciously turn that off. Yeah. And sometimes I forget. <laughs> but I, I had some bad experiences with the Hunting Australia <laughs> uh, page on on Facebook some years ago, so that put me off it a little bit, and I tend not to. <laughs> yeah, when I say Facebook, I just mean social media in yeah, general, no, whether mean, it's I, I, Instagram I and, and all of that really stuff. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've made well, lots of great I friends through Instagram. Yeah. You know, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, it can either be the worst thing or the best thing at the exact same time. Um, there's a lot of judgmental stuff. Um, we had a had a chat with Idlis, um the last podcast about him being um, cautious about putting his first goat on Instagram because it was only a nanny. So his, you got that big, big buck, big goat, big pig mentality where yeah. everyone posts the biggest and oldest yeah. animal, and it was off putting. Like that's he, a shame. he didn't want to get judged for yeah, just shooting a nanny. That's, that's a shame. And I had to convince him. I'm like, look, lots of people shoot, shoot nannies Absolutely. and does and all of that. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Like you were proud of it, and he still is proud Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. But he was just didn't want the the criticism of only shooting like he was worried but uh, he, yeah. he didn't get any criticism no. like everyone That's was good. happy he was yeah. as as they should be a goat with a traditional bow is a big accomplish accomplishment no and matter who you are you know what it doesn't matter yeah it, 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 he's gone out there and he's done something and he's he's done it ethically and legally yeah and you know th- there's no even if people did judge him it I wouldn't even worry about anything. Like it, that. Exactly, but it's just these things that yeah. have you social... had any bad comments or, or negative oh, comments I've... on Instagram? <laughs> I've had heaps, man. Really? I've had really? a global hate campaign for shooting feral cats. I was on um, ABC. I was You're kidding. New York Times Magazine. No. Bunch of <laughs> You're famous. Yeah, yeah. I I, I copped a that. lot of yeah. I, I was I was getting thousand, two thousand death threats a week for a minute there and far out <laughs> I didn't know that I've never had any bad except for a few of our own hunters yeah yeah so I, I post the stuff publicly like all of my profiles they're all yeah. public so yeah. Yeah. it takes one person to share them to a yeah. vegan activist sure anti-hunting group um I was a bit younger then so I Mm. Gave a bit more shit back to him, so that that only just grows it. But hey, all publicity is good publicity, yeah. you know. Uh, have you seen Hainsey's response to some people who give him negative? Comments? Yeah, it's, it's some. a good response. He kind of just Norris, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, and he just blows it off. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I I like to use it these days more to 
educate if I can see it in the message if I'm able to like I say because a lot of the times it's people from America or other European countries and all of that I say especially with the cats I'm like look it's an introduced animal they're causing havoc on our native wildlife you can't spray and neuter them all you know you can't because that's that's a lot of people's especially from overseas they're like why can't you just spray and neuter them and then release them again it's like the issue isn't that they're they're fucking our native animals to death. They're eating they're them. Eating so them. Yeah. the only way to get rid of them is yeah. to kill them. Is yeah. you know so. Yes. Yeah, but that like I said, oh, there's okay. great things about social media and the hunting space, and then there's yeah. the bad things as well because the photos get out. It yeah. causes a bad light on the hunting. Uh, I admit it myself that the photos at the time getting all out and me doing an ABC story with a news crew and the cat getting away on camera didn't go, go to plan, you know? Um, but it all, all works out sure. in the end, you know, you can put the positive message yeah. as well as you can. I've convinced a bunch of people into hunting afterwards that were against it and have changed their mind about trophy hunting in Africa and yep. all of that oh, stuff. I still get that. I, yeah. Cause I, 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 well, you've, you, have you hunted Africa? Uh, yeah, you I have. have yeah, so yeah. You, I haven't, but you, you, out of everyone, know where the money goes into it Absolutely. and how it all goes. Yeah. And oh, yeah, seen it firsthand. And I look, virtually everyone who challenges me on that will are reasonable enough to listen to yeah. the, the idea. They still may not like it, but you're very well change. spoken, so you can get your point across quite well as well. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of educating people yeah. in the nice way so that they don't think you're having a crack at it. And then at the end of the day, some people just don't want to listen yeah, to exactly. any truth. And that's fine. But, you know, all I ask is that they just give me an ear and hear our side of things and why things are done. And if you still don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, that's fine. Exactly, but, exactly. Yeah. It's more when they just start trying to ban stuff. Like you yes. see all the bans on trophy hunting yes. in Africa and they're, export bans and that how it suffers like the animals suffer at the end because photography and stuff like that's not going to make the money that hunting does for the conservation dollars at the end of the day so Uh, um, yeah i i don't hide what i do from anyone like even in my work i'm very open and honest and if someone asks me what i'm doing this weekend i will tell them yeah um i and and i must say there are some people who might be a little bit surprised, but they're very courteous and yeah. they will hear what I do and how we do it, you know. So I don't hide it from anyone. Yeah, I'm very much the same. Some would like, oh, yeah. what'd you do on the weekend? I'm, oh, I went hunting. And they're like, yeah. what? I'm like, deer. And they're like, yes. we have deer here. <laughs> That's right. Or I'll get, oh, you like hunting, but you're not, you wouldn't be one of those hunters that would go to Africa and shoot a lion or yes. an elephant. And I'm like, if I had the money, I would. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, well, this is where the money goes. This is the animals that you're targeting. This is the benefit of targeting these older animals. And they're like, oh, well, you don't hear that through the media. You just hear hear this. Yes. Well, media. Let's not talk about that. (laughs) Hey, this is media. It's getting it out there. So (laughs) it's it's not all bad. This is not mainstream media. (laughs) Top five beginner item like items for beginners. What would you recommend? Yeah, so now in this, you know, twenty twenty two, 
Um, binoculars. Yep. Rangefinder. A pack. Yep. Really good boots. Yeah, boots and are boots and, lifesaver. And the best you can afford. Make sure they're waterproof. I like eight-inch boots only yep. because uh, I can walk through a puddle and yep. it's not going to come over the top. It gives me a little bit extra protection against snakes. Yeah. You know, uh, in the wet weather, I'll put gaiters over the top of it, so yep. I'm basically waterproof. I found find dry weather gaiters are a lifesaver for prickles too because those those yeah. prickles just work their way. Into your boot no matter what. Yeah. What boots are you running right now? Um, Oboes. Okay. So they're just a little bit higher than ankle height. Um, they're a uh, Kathmandu boot. Yes. Okay. Um, they're okay. a leather-based yeah, yeah, boot. Yeah. They're, 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 they're pretty good. They're, I've, I'm on my second pair in six years, mm-hmm. so they've done New Zealand, Mexico. Sure. Cool. So they've been... Uh, I, I see people constantly saying, look, these, this boot or that boot or yeah. no boot is waterproof. And it's just not true. I mean, I've just run, I've just ruined my pair of Mindles that I've had since 2010. I mean, they were a very expensive boot back then. Yeah. And they've lasted me 11 years. Yeah, I'm, so. I don't mind too much about getting my feet wet too much, especially if it's a, just a day hunt or a two-day hunt. But when I went to New Zealand and my feet got wet and you're out in the bush for yes. a week, it's yes. just being cold and miserable. Like I've never been as cold as I have been as when I was in New Zealand or as miserable. Like just getting to sleep when you're soaking wet and yeah. cold yeah. is just... It's, it's miserable. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. But the best time I had. <laughs> as cold I, and as miserable. I, and, and I find what happens is... People don't wear gaiters yeah. and their pants get wet, which then wicks the moisture down into their socks and they think their boots are leaking. Yeah. But it's actually coming in. Yeah, through coming through the top of your pants. Yeah. It's very hard to convince people. That. So uh, what gaiters? Uh, I've got a pair of cheap, inverted commas, yeah. Cat, Katmandu uh, low gaiters. So yeah. for someone my height, low gaiters are kind of like half my shin height. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, and they work fine. Yeah. I mean, they just strap on, you know, there's a little clip that straps onto my laces and yeah. then I just uh, Velcro them on at the back and they work fine for me. For the Usually with our weather here, on a normal winter's day, by mid-morning I probably don't need them. Yeah. You know, uh, if it's been raining heavily and the grass is sodden and I'm walking through thick grass and I'll wear them like all day. I'll have to try that because I've only ever really worn them for... Snakes uh, and okay. prickles yeah. and that. I haven't oh, really worn well. them through. Wet. I've got a yeah. pair of Huntec gaiters, oh, okay. and they're they're, um, they're real big, yes. canvas backed. They're big, heavy zip on them. Yes, they're heavy. They can be a little bit loud if you don't have the zip because it's a big oh, zip okay. and clip. Yeah. If you don't have that sitting right, it it can be you hear the little metal on metal bit. Sure, at times, but um. Yeah, I'll have to give that to try through. Yeah, I'd recommend it. We we generally do it all the time with, and you can buy gators pretty cheaply. If yeah. You offer. And then the last thing I think people need for a newbie is a pack. A pack. I would say you know they they they're the basic essential things, but I can't emphasize enough with binos. Yeah, yeah, they're binos are so probably important. my yeah number one. If I'm taking someone like Ilias, we discussed this on the last episode that he's like, oh, I invited him out hunting. I'm like, do you have this, this, and this? And ah. No, I don't. So he's went down, bought a pair of binos. He bought a knife because, yeah, I'll, quite often I'll tell people, you need a pair of binos, you need a knife, yep. a pack, water, the amount of times I've gone hunting with people who have no water. Yeah, right. And, you know, I 
I've got a three liter bladder in my my pack, and I normally carry four liters extra. Yeah, just I don't use my. I've got a three liter bladder too. And yeah, I was coming home with one and a half liters, and I'm thinking I'm not going to do this anymore. So I just run a. It's a Katmandu equivalent of a Nalgene bottle. Yeah, just it's about a one point two liters. I just keep that. That's enough for me for a day, and then I fill it back when I get back to camp. Yeah, I'm a shocker. I leave water in my camel pack for. <laughs> like there could be water in there from last rut, for all I know. <laughs> Um, and so, I just <laughs> sorry. What what was that pack you run again? It's a Tatonka. Tatonka. Um, yes. So New Zealand, <clears throat> yeah. New Zealand brand. Um, yeah. I did a bunch of research on a bunch of packs in my price range, and they're definitely the the best bang yeah. for a buck for that oh, that I've price range. They're, they're good packs. Yeah. Very very good. Um, lots of compartments, lots of yeah. lots of zips, and you know, mm. e- e- like still now, I'm like, hey, I haven't seen this zip before, and <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and they do. A ninety liter plus ten, yes. so like they do every size cater fifty five yep. liter. Yep. Um, what about yourself? What type of? I've got an outdoorsman. Yep. Yep. In, uh, the US, uh, mainly not mainly, but because I can adjust. <laughs> Meteor the influenced. Yeah, yeah. I've got the very same pa- the same pattern as yep. vanilla runs actually. Yeah, no, they're um, the outdoorsman's packs are good. I looked at them for quite a bit, and they also do the outdoorsman atlas. Have you seen that? Yes, the, I have. the weight training yep. pack. Yes, I had. I actually had a Crooked Horn extended range pack. Yep. But it was too high for me. It was giving me a headache because it was hitting me in the back of yep. my head and making me like crane my neck forwards, which was giving me a headache. So I actually sold it to Dwayne. Yep. And using that money and a bit extra, I bought the outdoorsman because I can adjust the webbing on. Yeah. It's got a. Because like they're an internal frame it's, pack. It's got a, yep. a, a frame, so I can adjust the webbing so it suits different heights. Yeah. Awesome. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then you can just use the meat shelf. and. So I don't. Mine doesn't have a meat shelf. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but I, it's got <clears throat> a very generous g- uh, general pouch where I can just shove. Well, I can put a whole fallow deer in there. Yeah, I'm I'm the same with there, the yeah. the Tatonka. I can have it pretty full of all my stuff. Yep. And then bone out a fallow and put that in there, yep. pretty yep. nicely. And then you got to carry it out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if you fo- you've got a good backpack, you know a good a, world a good waist like yes. the waist bit is yeah. like because people don't really rely on the waist stuff. They just carry it on their shoulders. But once you put it on your waist, it's a it's a game changer the, for the sure. Biggest, what I found when that helped the most was uh, my friend Steve does a reloading and Dwayne, Aussie Outbush and yep. myself, we spent a week in the high country and we just lived out of our packs yep. for six days. And that's where it really came. It just, it just, it was worth its weight in gold, and that's where the waterproof boots were worth their weight. Oh, I bet. So, yes. so, what what type of hiking tents were you running there, <laughs> Steve? Or tarps? <laughs> yeah, I just ran a tarp and I froze. But I did have a. We all have bivvies, but I was very disappointed in my bivy because it didn't breathe well. Yeah. So, it, I I was reluctant to zip it up because I was condensing too much on the inside. Yeah. But I just ran a, a tarp, which I would do differently now. But I just ran it as an A A shape kind of. Yeah, an A frame. Yeah. Whereas um, uh, Steve has this amazing Go Light. They don't they don't make them anymore. Go Light Five. They're yep. ridiculously lightweight teepee style tent. Yeah, awesome, amazing. And Dwayne had a, a one man, uh, just a, a, a one person 
uh, hiking tent. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's amazing the different types of um, hiking tents and yeah. that cool. that are available. I've got a Huntec Outdoors one, and it's um it's got no floor. It's got a Perfect. one pole. Yeah, it's two man, so yep. put it straight on the ground. Perfect. It was awesome. Uh, I did freeze my ass off in New Zealand in it. Um, one thing I have learnt by listening to podcasts, what I'll do next time is take a hot water bottle with me. And I'll um, yeah. put that in the sleeping bag. And now we've got all these hand warmers. Yeah. You know, hand yeah. warmers and foot warmers. They, they, they work where you can actually put them in your socks. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll put this in the... <clears throat> I'll, I'll fill it with water. So I've got Good water idea. in the bottom of the pack. Heat yeah. it up every night before bed. And I reckon I'll be nice and toasty in the future. So what kind that. of sleeping bag did you take? Um, It was my stepdad's hiking backpack. Okay. They got a uh, hiking sleeping bag. Okay. They got into hiking there for a minute. I think it was a minus five, minus six, but I was still. Um, I think the mattress I had is just an inflatable, cheap hiking mat, so I think I was getting a lot of, lot of airflow underneath from the ground, and that was it windy. No, no. So it was pretty forest, okay. foresty where we were. So we we're pretty sheltered from that, but it was wet. So North Island. Yeah, yeah, North so Island beach forest. Yeah, n- not beach forests. It's near Taupo, so it was. No, I mean the beach trees. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I love that. I love yeah, that it's forest. everything's mossy, yeah. but that's one thing I found when you're hiking through there. You grab it, like you grab a tree to to <laughs> pull right. yourself up on, and it just crumbles in your hand because it's rotten under mm-hmm. the moss. Been there, done that. Yes, it's great. Favorite thing to cook with fallow. Or well, venison that you yeah. Just lately, um, I've been roasting the back straps yep. whole, and they are amazing. Barbecue so oven in my oven. Yeah. So it's a Jamie Oliver recipe. <coughs> Fancy. And I'll, I'll t- hey, look, it's simple as you basically get a skillet or a roasting pan. Yep. And you put it in the oven and get it up to 180 degrees. Yep. While you're doing that, you get the back strap. If it's too big for your skillet, you can cut it in half. Yeah, and you boil it and then roll it in whatever you want. Classically, salt, pepper, maybe a bit yep. of garlic powder. He used um, juniper berries. Yeah, not everyone likes the taste. Of, well, I've used cranberries. Yeah, like dried cranberries. Then when when the pan's up to temperature, you bring it out and you simply put a little bit of oil in there and roll. The, it sizzles. Roll the roll the backstrap in the oil, and then you can. Crush a bit of garlic yeah. and whatever herbs you want, just for the aromatics. Put it in the oven for eight minutes. I'm yeah, awesome. Telling you, eight minutes and it's done to perfection. I'm gonna have to Excellent. give that a go. And so what I did then, I, while that was in the oven, I quickly made a glaze of butter and cranberry sauce, and a little bit of sriracha. Yum. Okay? And I just reduced it so when the meat came out after it rested, it we sliced it and we drizzled the glaze. Oh my god, it was sensational. So, so I've been uh, go to. What I've what I've been wanting to do, I've been doing it with pork okay. tenderloin, uh, pork loins at the moment, <coughs> in the uh, Weber queue is um, I get honey, sriracha, lemon juice, olive oil, and garlic. Oh yeah, a shitload of garlic and just mix it all up. Season season the the Sounds loin right. and then just put it in and then just every couple of minutes you just baste it. Baste it. How long did you? Typically do that. Uh, probably about half an hour on yep, the okay. on the pork loin, but it's quite a bit thinner than a yep. than a fallow backstrap. So yep. I'll do that. Probably about the same because yeah. you you want it quite well. I personally like 
venison pretty pretty red. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I generally wouldn't let it get above 125 Fahrenheit. Yeah. I say Fahrenheit only because Jamie Oliver talks in that. Yeah. And, and I don't let it get past 125 Fahrenheit. So yeah. So whatever that is in Celsius, it's not very much. No, no, so I think it'd be... Probably be, be yeah, 50, 50 degrees, degrees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's just perfect. It's just, you know, the ends might be a little bit more well done. Yeah. And the centre, it's just definitely perfect. Rare. It's yeah. beautiful, just spectacular. Yeah, I like that rare, yeah. about rare. Um, quite often, if I take someone out for their first first deer, I'll make them eat a little bit of raw venison while we're... <laughs> well, well, yeah, uh, we've done that. Do you do the blood... No, no, no. Just, just make them eat, eat some raw venison, the blood or um, get some lemon juice and some black, black pepper, and just mix nice. that up together, and then just dip it in there. And the no, my hunters get smeared with blood. <laughs> that's the rule. If they're coming out with me. Your face is going to get smeared with blood, and then you're going to fight a that, That's great. That's great. <laughs> I think you might have seen Hayden. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How do you see the public views on hunting? Oh, look, I'd have to say ignorance. Yep. And and that's, so, you know, let me clarify that. So ignorance means lack of knowledge. It's not a derogatory term generally. Yep. Deliberate ignorance is yep. stupidity. Exactly. There's a, there's a difference. Yeah. Okay. But ignorance is just that they, they, they just don't know. And, um, and that's probably a reason why people like us, are willing to talk about yeah. it, you know, and and I think most people are quite receptive to hearing that. There'll always be people who are anti it, and doesn't matter what we say, we won't change their minds. So I don't even bother. Yeah, but so I think when we explain to people what we do and how we do it, they're much more receptive to what we do. Yeah, I find when you're having a conversation to someone and you tell them and then show them a photo, they're much more understanding Yes. rather than when they, because how social media algorithms yeah. work, yeah. it just pops up in their, their yes. feed and yes. then they tend to be a bit more standoffish yes. when it comes to that. I don't know about you, but I've had numerous people condemning me for hunting yeah. and yet their partner or they fish. Yeah, I've... Yeah, yeah come across I, the same thing. I don't see the difference. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've had people who have admitted to me that they see the um, irony of taking a photograph of their steak. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, I'm not killing the animal and look, you're enjoying killing it and people conflate the, the notion of killing an animal and hunting an yeah, animal. Yeah, you know? they, they kind of think that we're getting the joy from yes. actually the killing of the animal yes. rather than everything that goes into Correct. it and everything that you get out after Correct. it. Killing it's only that small split second. Well, how many times have you been out and not pulled an arrow? E I mean... Exactly. Yeah, you know? Like, I mean, that's... that's it's only saying. a very, very small part of it. There's so much more. Like, just being out there on sunrise or sunset, yes. hearing all, like... On sunrise in the Australian bush, like you hear one species of bird, then two species of bird, then the magpies go Fantastic. in and yeah. then you start hearing the cockies yeah. and all of that. And just the bush wakes up and you start, the kangaroos start moving oh, through and just watching know, everything come to life. It's the time when 
let's not get too philosophical here, mm. but I find I get a great deal of clarity, you know, and it's when answers, for the want of a better term, come to me. Like, you know, sometimes there's problems in yeah. your life and and at that time, when you're alone and you're waiting for things to start moving, things seem to start gelling, in my mind. Anyway. Yeah. That's, it's a very, it's, very powerful time for me it's yoga it's meditation yep. it's yeah. if if i'm stressed if like even just shooting the bow if i'm stressed all my negativity all my stress just goes out yes. with the arrow same yes. thing with target yeah. shooting and same thing with target shooting yeah we find that when we go like saturday we go out clay shooting you know and just to see i see all the photos else. and yeah. videos <laughs> and see that little thing explode is the most satisfying feeling and it's exactly and just time with mates and like time it's with good blokes, yeah. like i'm not a sporting person i've never played football or mm-hmm. soccer or anything like that um so i've always like growing up i've always lacked that hanging out with friends through sports yeah. that all the other people had I was hunting and fishing. Like people would go, "Oh, what'd you do on the weekend?" Oh, I went goat hunting with my with my pop. Oh, okay. I played sport. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather yeah. go hunting. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. yeah. <laughs> so these days, being able to spend it with good mates and spend good quality time, like yeah, yeah, like most of the time you're just talking shit. Yes, and it's, absolutely. It's the best time because yeah. you're you're laughing. You're just talking absolute yes. well. Me, Luke, and Ilias talk absolute shit when we're out, and half the time we're just laughing, sitting oh, there giggling. I don't so know how we see any animals at all. It must be a hunter thing. <laughs> we're very good at talking shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Wow, that, that's a really good question. You know, I, I reckon a really good way to start would be trying to make in South Australia, to trying to get us a hunting season, yeah, and make public land available for hunting. Yep, I can. Yeah, I that can agree with really you on that. Good start. We were talking about fishing, yeah, too. You know, and I think we're kind of a little bit behind the eight ball here, and we have been for longer than you've been alive. Yeah, you know? it's never changed. Yeah, I've heard the stories from my pop when, you know, yeah. fox foxes were worth quite a bit of money and rabbits Absolutely. and, you know, it's yeah. like people were, like there was police patrolling country roads looking for fox poachers because sure. people were going around shooting for skins and all of that. Sure. And, you know. And, you know, Zach, also exactly what you were doing, that's how the public's opinion will change because my friends might listen to this. Yeah. You know, uh, people that know you through someone else yeah. might think, oh, I might have a listen to your part and see what this is all about, you know. And and then talking to people like I do, like yeah. you do, that's how we're going to change the number of people who have come back to me and say, look, I never thought of it that way. And uh, I saw this coincidentally. I saw this on the news and I thought of you and, you know, and that made me think about all this. It, that's how we will change the, the public, not shying away from it. Yeah, so that's I am, um, if I'm chatting to someone and they're a bit uneasy, I go, do you have Netflix? Like, yeah, i got Netflix, like majority of the people do these days. Yeah. Go home, look up Meat Eater on Netflix. Watch a couple of episodes of that and then come back to me and tell you tell me what you think. 
and then they see the conservation side. Like even though it's America, they see the conservation part side. They see the the camaraderie yeah. side of it, and then they see the meat side of the stuff. Yes, and see that's not just about the killing, but it's about the food, the conservation, the camaraderie, and all of that yeah. in there. And it. Were we talking a few months ago when we caught up with one of the guys? Were we talking about? the way Stephen Ronella seemed to be reluctant to celebrate an animal's... Harvest. No, I don't think you were talking to... Okay. might have been Hainsey yeah. or... I just noticed that he went through a time where an animal was taken and it was quite a solemn occasion. Yeah. Like, you know, you and I might high-five and... Yeah, and quite, yeah. And it wasn't that they were unhappy about that, but I didn't, don't think he wanted to portray the... The joy yeah. of killing something, which I see that, but I also think it can be a joyful occasion because it's the culmination for somebody who may have, may have been working for several months to yeah. get that, you know? And that's not something to be ashamed of, I don't think. Yeah, it, it just depends on the hunt and the animal. I've found times where, you know, I shoot something and I just sit with it for five, ten minutes. Like, sure. I'll walk up to it and just sit there. I'll walk up, sit down, give it a pat, say thank yes. you. Oh, no, that's, like, that's a it's, wonderful thing to do. But and imagine some, if you took somebody out who'd never shot an animal with a bow. Yeah. And he did that. You'd kind of be shaking hands and patting them on the back. and. Yeah, you know. not not everyone. Like, I've, I haven't taken as many people out hunting as you yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. But some people I've taken out and they, they just... They don't want to That's get enough, that excited. Right? They just want to... It's a lot to take in, especially yes. for new hunters who haven't yeah, taken something. I've, I've grown up hunting. That's yeah. all, I've, all I've known. No, that's a good um, point. So taking the life of something isn't always easy for someone. Even, like, I've, I've yes. shed tears when I've taken stuff before. Yeah. Like, it's... It brings up all types of emotions... Um, and then when you're new to it, it's emotions you haven't felt before. Like I know how you know how to deal with those emotions. You're happy, but walking up to something like because the deer, the goats, they're beautiful animals. Like especially the deer, you walk up to a nice, nice fallow buck because they got all the pretty spots on them, and you know. Yes. No. That, look, that's a fair point. Um, my daughter-in-law, when she shot her first goat, she got very emotional. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to think I'm aware of those situations but i'm also not averse to showing uh i don't know what i'm trying to say so not a joy of killing the animal but a happiness. A congratulations of yes the yes and a happiness in the result what we were trying to do oh i, I know exactly what you're talking about like yeah. hunting with luke we've run up give each other a big hug and pat yes. on the back and handshake and yes you know yeah. Like, yeah. it's it's like winning. I hate comparing sports and hunting. Like, I don't I don't see hunting as a sport. I know lots of people do, but using a sport analogy, it's like someone winning a winning a, a grand final a or something point. and all the uh, all the players are yeah. jumping around, high-fiving <laughs> no, you're right. and all of that. I like don't like talking about it as being a sport either. I've never done that and I've discouraged people... For, I, I do the same, yeah. as we know it is, yes, it 
it's a competitive thing and I hate hunting being looked at as being competitive. Yeah, exactly. That's um, where you get into the, in inverted commas, bad trophy hunting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like they're not happy unless something's an inch longer yeah, than um, they need it to be. <laughs> that's, that's a really different. Yeah, being a guide, you would uh, you probably would have you would have your fair share of stories where people are disappointed when when they walk up to it and they get that that ground shrinkage. I was very lucky. I never had clients like that, but I've been with I've been on guided hunts. Yeah. when I've been with clients like that, with, with fellow clients. Yeah, and you know they're only happy when they hear what the tape says. Yeah, then exactly. They're happy. Yeah, they weren't happy before. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I've That's I've ridiculous. I've heard stories from guides who you know t- people shoot something and then they're upset with what they've shot. It's too small for their their trophy room or yeah, or I, whatever. Which is, I spoke to a guide who said a couple came and they didn't speak to each other at all because she shot a bigger stag than he did. Yeah, wow. Well, they just wouldn't speak. He wouldn't speak to her for the rest of the hunt. That's in. That's <laughs> insane. Stupid. Like when. When my wife and I were only together for about a year or so, she got me a fishing charter. She got me two two spots on the fishing charter, and I decided to take her. She hadn't she'd caught a carp before this oh, fishing okay. charter, um, which I took her out to go go catch a um, couple months beforehand, and she caught the two biggest fish on of the charter. She right? caught she caught a fourteen kilo tuna, which was the biggest Fantastic. tuna for the day, mm-hmm. and the biggest snapper of the day. Oh, so. Everyone's like, "Oh, are you upset that she's taking the biggest fish?" Because we we jumped on a boat with a bunch of people we didn't know. I'm like, "Nah, I'm freaking yeah. stoked! Like that that that's awesome. I'd be more happy for her to yes. take take the bigger fish." And yes. same same with friends. Um, so I was with Aaron um, Wilsh, um, one of my really good good friends. Mm. We um, I was chasing this buck for two years. I missed him three four times with the bow. I I dozen or more failed stalks on it he's come over from kangaroo island and i've taken him out and i said just wait here i'm gonna go put a stalk on this buck if something happens and it runs your way knock an arrow and shoot it i failed the stalk what's it do runs straight up 30 (laughs) meters straight towards him and he slips a perfect arrow straight through it i was so emotional so happy pissed off and happy at the same time like but i was for his first fallow deer ever to be this beautiful buck that i've had so much experience with but every time i see him i go you shot my deer like but i i couldn't be more happy that he did it either like i'm more happy more happy that he shot it than if i shot it and it's the same taking new hunters out i'd I'd rather take a new hunter out and let get them shoot something, yeah. their first animal, their first of a species, because I feel better with someone else taking it and teaching, you know, because then you get them down and you teach them how to skin it, you teach them how to gut it, you teach them how to butcher it. Like, it's the the that's, whole experience. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. So what is hunting to you? You know... So the first thing that comes to my mind is a, a glib answer that it is a way of life, but it, it is my way of life. It, yeah. It's me. It's what I do. It, it is me. It, it probably is what defines me more than even my profession. You know, it's um, the 
best friendships I have made are through hunting. Yeah. The closest friends, the most meaningful conversations I've had are with my hunting friends. Yeah. I, I couldn't put that yeah. better myself. Like that yeah. that'd be a very similar answer to mm. but not as not as yeah. well put together. <laughs> I mean you know, the first thing I think of is when I want to have a barbecue is get the guys around. Yeah, and exactly. Girls, yeah. You know? uh, so I, I'd have to say that's what hunting is to me. Uh, it's, that's a, it's my life. That's a that's a great answer. Yeah. Um, okay, off cuff one, zombie apocalypse weapon. What would you pick? Do I have to have one? Just one? I, I'd have to say... Main one, if, I'd say. If we could have it, an AR-15. Yeah. I've always wanted an AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> I so badly want one. <laughs> but that would be it. Yeah. Uh, and then my old Smith & Wesson three fifty seven. Yeah. Just because it was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Luke, Luke uh, his answer was a sword and Elias was a hatchet. You know what? I mean, they're not silly ideas. So <laughs> Just can't, can't run out of... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I exactly like, right. I like the old uh, Walking Dead crossbow. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, you've only got so many bolts and you can only use them so, yes. so much, you know. <laughs> and reload. That's the, and reload. That's the um, hardest thing there. What's something important you've forgotten on a hunting trip? A rifle. Oh. <laughs> I had to turn around and go back and get it. I had the bolt, like, but not is the that, rifle. Is that... 10 minutes into the drive, yeah, is yeah. that it was two hours quick. into the it drive? It was pretty quick. And then when I was very young on a duck hunt, my dad and I got to Gawler and realised we forgot the shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and food, I might say. Steve and I got all the way to Tail and Ben and realised we'd forgotten. I'd made a big pot of stew. <laughs> that's so, that's yeah. not so bad because yeah, you can always true. shoot something and, to and eat. We, we bought a couple of chicken's roast chickens. Yeah, I've always got two no- two minute noodles in my yeah, bag yeah. just just in case. Oh no, you haven't met Steve. Have you haven't met Steve? No, yet, no, no, I haven't. No, you don't miss you, two things with Steve. You don't forget food, and you don't forget coffee. <laughs> oh, you're you you'll be dead. He'll kill you before. You, yeah. So when I was in New Zealand, speaking of coffee, I found these uh, coffee tea bags. Oh yeah, and you can yeah. get them Harry, over here. Uh, oh, Robert Tim's. Yeah, yeah. I've yep. got some in my pack now. They're, they're great. They're, they're good, great yeah. to carry in the, in the awesome. hunting bag. Oh, yeah, same, same. Um, yeah, the most I've ever forgotten on a on a trip was the quiver for the bow. So oh, okay. I had the bow but no arrows. So, oh, okay. oh, so you left the oh. I left the quiver oh. at home. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the most dangerous thing that's happened on a hunting trip? Mm. Uh, I a dangerous to a fellow hunter. I nearly clocked somebody once because he was <laughs> pissing me off. Some, and that was in Canada. There was one guy. He was just this guy. We came so we were hunting caribou. Yeah. And um, how you hunt caribou is it? You hopefully you hit the migration. Yeah. Right? Wait for him and to move so, through. Yes, so you, they put you up at vantage points yep. and you just wait and it's kind of like shopping. You just say, no, I don't want that one. I'll, I don't want that one. I'll wait for that one. It's, it's kind of fun. It's, it, it looks yeah. awesome. I would, I would love to do it. So this guy shot a bull and uh, we were walking back down so that they'd pick us up at the lake, you know, so we'd walk back yep. down these little hills. And he was, I thought he was crying. 
<laughs> but he was moaning so loud. My knees are right. I can't move. And he's walking stiff-legged. So we're all concerned, you know. So we're all packing all his gear and his meat down, and, as well as ours. <laughs> you know? And all in the boat ride, he was carrying on like a freaking two-year-old, you know. Just, oh, my knees are hurting, my knees are hurting. Get back to camp. And he disappeared into his cabin. You know, we all cleaned up and did our own thing and... I saw him outside. I said, "How are you going?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I'm fine. I just had two shots of whiskey and I'm fine." He just didn't <laughs> want to carry anything down. I I could have shot him. I, I, I was pissed. As you would be, as yeah. you would be. But in all seriousness, so again, in the mid '90s, a very close friend of mine, who's not a hunter, he's an accountant. Yeah. So he's soft. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a great guy. He he got a job on Hayman Island. Yep. Okay, as an accountant, and they'd been we were very close friends because the kids were the same age. Yeah, and one day his wife and my wife were talking on the phone, and he wanted to talk to me, so he said, "You know, there's wild goats on this island." So I, people may not know, but in the old days, they actually deliberately released goats onto these islands. So if goats and pigs, and yes. so if they ever got so shipwrecked, correct. there'd okay. be food. So, Hayman Island, if people don't know, is a exclusive resort. Yeah. Know? And just as a by side, I don't know if you know, but... So, it's a bush island. And so, to make it look like a tropical resort, they they brought in from, from the mainland soil to dump onto a little cove so they could make a tropical... No, I didn't know that. It's amazing. It's crazy. In the soil was cane toad eggs and death adder eggs. <laughs> so now, Hayman Island, one of the most exclusive resorts in the world, is infiltrated with cane toads and death adders. <laughs> um, humans horrible. Yeah. Stu- <laughs> anyway, so he said to me, there's, there's goats all over this island and they're a real problem. You know, yeah. He said, we had a general meeting. They said, well, because the goats were coming into the resort and some of the big billies. And I was joking. I said, look, you know what? Just pay me, bring me over and I'll come and shoot them for you. Anyway, I was joking. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah, well, I was joking. A week later, he rings me and goes, I've got your job. <laughs> it, it, there was an airline that you may remember called ANSET. No. It, uh, ANSET Airlines was in the 90s. It went broke. Yeah. And ANSET owned Hayman Island at that time. Well, they flew... My, my, my youngest was not even... It was just over a year old. Yeah. Right? So they flew the whole family up. Put us up in, so in 1996, this is, put up in a $1,500 a night suite. <laughs> right? And my job was to go and shoot the goats. This sounds like a bloody good deal. <laughs> it was awesome. All food, drink, paid for, just everything, anything we wanted off, you know, a la carte menus, as much booze as we wanted. And I'm going to start messaging islands. <laughs> so on the first day, it was a bit of a recce trip. Right? Yeah. The local firemen. Uh, he was assigned to show me around where yeah. I was going to go, right, and show me the paths and how I needed to go. It was about a 5K walk down to the end. Anyway, he was showing me around, and um, we were sitting on this bluff. It was just spectacularly beautiful. You know, that just looking down on my left uh, over the bluffs was this aqua blue water, yeah. just crystal clear white sand. <laughs> Just spectacular. And we were just waiting for the remainder of the tourists to get off the trail so we could shut the trail. <laughs> and we were just 
watching, and I was, I was looking to my right away from the bay, and I heard this crash, and I just looked into the bay, and there was a hammerhead shark that he estimated was about 14, 15 feet long. Bloody hell. And it was chasing bait fish. Yeah. In the, and the, you could hear it snapping, and, you know, cr- there's jaws crashing. It was awesome. That's insane. Anyway, so these people had left, and he put these... You know, like crime scene yeah. tags across the path so people can go. So we started looking to see if we could see some goats just on that first night. And I heard some bleating, so we followed we followed around the back of the bluff. And there was this narrow trail on the bluff. So we're walking along it. And the trail started getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And goes, oh, look, it's just a little bit further. It got to the point where I had to sling my rifle on my back and I was holding on to the bluff with my hands and my feet, like my toes were on the ledge and my <laughs> heels were off the ledge. I've, I've been there with the bow. <laughs> and below me is a shark right, in the bank. Right? And I'm thinking, this is not a good position. That's some and, movie shit right there. Yeah, and we're like sidling along, you know, one foot, one foot and holding on. And he said, I think we better climb out of here. And I think, yeah, well, I think we better climb. <laughs> so we just climbed over the top. Well, he got into huge trouble because they didn't have insurance. Yeah. Or anything. He got into huge trouble for taking it. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. It's goat trails, so, they, yeah, they lead yeah. into some bluffy, bluffy areas. Well, that was probably one of the most dangerous things. <laughs> just as a side as well, when I left, my friend Mark rang me and the fireman got sacked. Because he lit a fire on the island. He was a pyromaniac. Yeah. yeah. Was, uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah. they tend to drift to those positions. Yeah. Not not all um, firefighters yeah. are pyros, but no. <laughs> a, a lot of pyros get into those yes. positions, unfortunately. Um, what's the funniest thing that's happened? I reckon that that's uh, pretty funny. Oh, my God. Where do we start? I've had so... So many f- funny, funny slash. You don't have a question for me about an embarrassing thing, too, do you? No, okay, no. Well, okay. So, some years ago, Steve, Duane, and I went to the high country. This wasn't for a week's hunt. This was for a. Actually, it was. It was a photo, but we went backpacking in. Yeah. So we went. Um, you know. Um, uh, Bright. Yep. Yep. Okay. So out from Bright. There's a valley called the um, Bucklands Valley. Yep. And it's just beautiful. It goes for a long way. And at the end of it, there's a mountain called Mount Selwyn, I believe. I think I've got it right. So we camped up the top of Mount Selwyn. And we were hunting around there. There was a lot of traffic, so we didn't actually see a lot of sign. And on one of the nights, we were just around the campfire, and there were some rangers, forest workers. Yeah. Well. So they came and joined us, had a couple of beers, and they said, look, just letting you know that the weather's coming in and driving up to the top of this mountain where we were, it was a bit dodgy. Yeah. And he said, look, there's a bit of weather coming in and if it rains out, the track may be washed out. So it's a long drive over the top of a mountain back to, you know, he said, you might want to get down to the river flats. So we packed up in the morning, we drove down and we camped at this beautiful, beautiful little river, you know, wouldn't have been more than... 15 feet wide and probably knee deep at the deepest, you know. Yeah. So we set up camp and there was some little rocks. We walked across the river and we went for a walk across the river and 
we heard a couple of Samba Hines bark at us. and That's an unreal sound. Yeah. We Sorry. were just looking, you know. So we turned around, it was getting dark, and we walked back. And we walked back, we missed, obviously, where we had come off the river. And I, th- I stood on this flat rock, and there was a deep chat. When I say deep, I, I'm talking like knee, thigh deep, wasn't yeah. it? Really? But it was only five feet wide, you know, six feet wide, not even six feet. So we jumped across it, you know, and landed onto this gravel bar. And when I did that, it splashed a bit of water onto my pants. <laughs> so I just, no big deal. We walked across, got the campfire, took my shoes and my pants off, put my trackies on and I was drying my pants. And so the next morning we did the same thing. We went a bit further. And wouldn't you know it, coming back, we came to the same freaking flat <laughs> rock. So the other boys went off the rock and around the bank a little bit. Yeah. Found another spot. Not me, right? I'm looking at the rock and think, I just don't want to get my pants wet. The bottom of my pants wet, right? <laughs> so on my left, from the flat rock to the bank, was a log. Again, seven or eight feet. I took one step on that log and I fell Upside, I smashed my shin. I felt <laughs> so. I got my pack, my rifle strapped onto my pack, my binoculars on. I fell upside down into the channel. <laughs> I'm serious. My legs are like a Y, right? The only thing that wasn't wet were the bottom of my pants. <laughs> well, that's that, and that's so what you wanted. <laughs> I've come up spluttering, and Dwayne and Steve are staring at me like I could tell that they're dying. To laugh, and they just weren't just, game. Just, just waiting for the okay, yes, making sure I had because I seriously, I thought I'd broken a leg or something. So that's one of the funnier things that's happened to me. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always the the stream that you shouldn't jump. You should just walk around. Or I mean, when it happens, the bottom of my pants. See, my my rifle. Was soaking wet. We fired two <laughs> shots through just to blast it dry. <laughs> My binoculars. Oh. Yeah, I've I've yeah. fallen in a couple of streams just yes. trying to take the easiest route by jumping yeah. and or just like walking on a rock and it just being moss oh, <laughs> moss covered or sick. slime covered yeah, yeah, and just yeah, boom yeah. straight on your ass in the in the stream. Another off cuff one. Most random fact you know. With a couple, I, I don't know if these are facts, as you call it, but one of the facts is Joshua Haynes has got the most perverted sense of humour I've <laughs> ever known. <laughs> Seriously, he's sick, man. <laughs> and two, I've never found fallow bucks with sheep. Have you ever noticed that? If you've got a mob of sheep, keep moving. You're very unlikely to see resident or even deer hanging around. They might move through. But never have I seen sheep and deer mingle. Yeah, um, the property I I hunt quite often see deer moving through. They move but yeah, through, not yeah. not. Why not, do you think that is? What, what's have you thought about that? Sheep are fuckwits. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we hate. I I just wonder if it's the noise. It and could the be smell because they're constantly bleating. It could be the the noise, and, and it could the be the smell, smell of the lanolin, and it masks, masks their ability the, yeah. to smell us. You know, could be that. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I've never know. We've seen them move through. Yeah, but like I've seen them near cattle. Yeah, cattle. You, seen, you hear yeah. like especially reds. You and hear especially reds. Hear reds yeah. and samba being with cattle quite yeah. a bit. You know, you get a young young yeah. spike. I've I've seen reds with 
you know, in yeah. the vicinity of cattle, but I've never seen fallow and sheep or deer in general and sheep. So, it's a good good point, especially yeah. with the the smell and the sound. I haven't haven't really thought of it, but well, yeah, we use it when we go. Like if there's sheep in a paddock, yeah, generally just don't. Quite yeah. apart from the fact that you cause a stampede of five hundred thousand. Yeah, they're sheep they're the stupid. Thing. They just blow through, and then the next stupidest thing is kangaroos, land lice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard, how can people find you on social media? Oh, so. I do. I'm more active on Insta, yep. and uh, I'm Rich Bar Seventeen R I C H. I think I am that, aren't I? R I C H. Something like that. I'll put it in the in the show notes and share it share it off of my accounts. And reach out and touch touch base. I'm happy to chat about things, and I I enjoy you know if people got any questions or anything like that. I can't honestly promise to take people hunting a lot for obvious reasons, but you know, like you know, I'm happy to if people want to meet us. We through this, uh, Josh, Joshy yep. Bates, and and myself, we've met we've met a few guys who've caught up with us at the Clay Club as well. Yeah, yeah, you guys are yeah got your little little clay clay buddies. We did well. well Hane, Josh Hainsey is the one who like Beretta helped us yeah. out a little bit. And yeah, no, I've seen that. That's that's and, awesome uh, stuff. Yeah, so so uh, you know. You guys get the venison snags out. Oh, eat some venison yeah, be- between. Absolutely. Hainsey's Metwurst is uh, it's pretty cool, damn good. Huh? It's cool, yeah. And I bought one of his little, you know, those little barbies that he's yeah, got? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, Hayden and myself and Joshy got one of those. So they're awesome. Yeah, they're awesome. Fantastic. So we, we just have, a, you know, we have a couple of rounds and we have a couple of beers and then, um, like you said, talk shit. Yeah. You know, cook up a little feed or I'll bring some. Our classic is oysters, smoked yep. oysters and crackers and cheese. <laughs> yeah, I, I carry packs of smoked oysters yeah. everywhere. I they're love like, them. They're great. They're good protein. Yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're 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 very very good. Well, I used to find these uh, chili ones that were really good, oh, but I can't. No, I and them and sardines. Yeah, chili sardines. Oh, are, nice. Sounds they're, good. They're good. But um, yeah, we've wrapped that up. We're just we're almost an hour and a half in. Not, I'll try and keep these ones to an hour, but thank you very Sorry, much for... Talking too much. Nah, nah, all good. Thank you very much for coming on. My and pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It was not a problem. Good.